So this morning, as we've been speaking all month about building the wall, let's, let's just finally get our hands dirty this morning. We've talked about this metaphor of how God uses the wall as a relationship, talking about how that wall uh, reflected the relationship that God had uh, with the children of Israel. And we see that, especially we, we read about it in Job chapter 1, when Satan was, was going in and through earth and God asked him, he says, hey, what about my servant Job? Have you noticed him down there? He said, yes, I have. He says, but you, you have put a hedge around him. You've put a hedge all the way around everything he owns. I can't even touch Job. I can't get to him. That's the wall that we're talking about. That's the wall. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 28 when God is talking to the nation of Israel. He said, listen, if you'll keep my commands and if you'll be obedient to me, I'll bless your going in and your coming out. I'll bless your crops. I'll bless your families. He used one term. He says, I will overflow you or I will overcome you with blessings. Listen, that is the wall of blessings that he's talking about. When we serve and we're obedient to him, he puts a protection around us. He's our high tower. He, he's our buckler. He's our shield. Those are all the things that we've been talking about since the beginning of January. And this is what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about this wall of relationship. And living inside this wall is a wall where God provides and protects even in the world that we live in today. Now, are you saying, Brother Wayne, that if we have this wall and that we are not susceptible to cancer or we're not susceptible to losing our job, or we're not susceptible to the bad things of this world, that's not at all what we're talking about. Jesus says, I have come into the world and I have overcome the world. We should, we should find comfort in that. But at the same time, it rains on the just as well as the unjust. He tells us that. But when we live inside the wall, when we live inside a relationship with God, I want you to know everything that this world has to throw at you, you can find peace. You can find comfort. You can find joy. You can find all of that living in this old wretched world when we live in this relationship of obedience with God. So, uh, as we were talking about this, we've also uh, discussed another thing that from God, how... Uh, no matter how far we've strayed away from God, that His mercy and His grace far exceeds our sin and a rebellion against Him. I love the song, God Ran. If you'll notice, when, uh, when Adam and Eve, and we've discussed this before, when Adam and Eve was in the garden, did they go looking for God or did God go looking for them? God went looking for them. They walked in the garden and He said, Hey, Adam, where are you? God knew that they had sinned and been disobedient. God ran to them. We read this, this song spoke of the, the prodigal son. And it says, and when he saw him afar off, he went to him. I want you to know God is seeking after you for a relationship. Uh, it don't matter how far we've strayed. In 1 John 1 and 9 it says, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And Joel 2.25, and these are scriptures that we've mentioned in the, in the past month. 
He said, I will restore the years to you that the locusts have devoured. In other words, no matter how far away you've strayed from God, he says, my grace, I will restore you. Second Chronicles, a very familiar scripture. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, he says, I'll restore everything that you've gone astray with. Another promise of God, Isaiah 118 says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. In other words, you've strayed away. Here, come back to me. Come back to me. Romans 5 and 20 says, Where sin abound, grace abounds much, much more. God's grace is greater than all of our sins. Man, that would make a good song, wouldn't it? Wow. But grace, grace abounds more And when we go to talking about this relationship that God has with the nation of Israel, and when we get to the book of Nehemiah, and we've been talking about this for several weeks now, when we get to the book of Nehemiah, we recognize that this broken down wall also represents this broken relationship that the nation of Israel has had with God. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about how Nehemiah is going to rebuild the wall and also to rebuild this relationship. Now, if you'll take, I hope you've got your Bibles this morning and you have turned to Nehemiah. Turn to Nehemiah. It's just a couple of books right before Psalms. And uh, Psalms is kind of right in the middle of your Bible. And then uh, you go back to Job and Esther and and, uh, then Nehemiah is, is there. Uh, right before you get to Psalms. Nehemiah chapter 1, a couple of weeks ago we started there and with Nehemiah as a cupbearer. I find this very, very interesting. A cupbearer. In other words, he was a servant for the king. He worked in the kitchen area. Let me ask you, was Nehemiah's hands calloused and worn and scarred or were they soft? They were soft. And do you find it interesting that God sends a man with soft hands to rebuild a wall? God didn't search out and find a masonry worker to go rebuild the wall. Do you find it odd that God goes and he looks in the fields where a man is shepherding sheep and finds him and sends him to be a king? you find that odd? I don't find it odd at all. God qualifies those he calls. He doesn't seek the qualified. So we're here today, and I want you to know if there's a task or there's something that God desires for you to do, you don't have to worry about it. If God's calling you to do it, He'll prepare you for the task that He's, he's done. And that's what He's done with Nehemiah. But He sent a report to, to Nehemiah. Nehemiah hears that the walls of Jerusalem are down, the people are not doing very good, and God breaks Nehemiah's heart for His people. He, his heart is broken because he sees the relationship between them and God has been broken. So he, he sends uh, Nehemiah to the king. God prepares this way. Nehemiah gives him his blessing. He says, you go and, and rebuild that wall that you're having a desire to rebuild. Not only will I send you, I will provide the materials that you need. I will send an army with you to protect you while you're on your way. So this is the burden that God has given Nehemiah to rebuild this wall, to rebuild this relationship. And then last week, we get to Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 11. And I want to reread that again this morning. Nehemiah chapter 2 
In verse 11, look at that with me. So Nehemiah has made his journey to Jerusalem. Now he's been there for three days, and then we read this scripture right here, and this is what Nehemiah does. He goes and he inspects this wall. It says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days, and I arose in the night and saw some few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put me in, in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates there thereof were consumed with fire. So we see that as Nehemiah is, is now riding the wall, he is looking around, and this is kind of what he sees, okay? This at one point in time was about a 30-foot wall that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. It protected them from the enemy, but when he drives and walks up on this, on this beast of burden that he was on, he looks and the wall has crumbled down. It's just, it's a, it's a mess. There's, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no order to it. He says he goes to the gates where the gates were supposed to be. He says there were no gates even there anymore. The gates had been burned up. The gates were made out of wood. It's just a mess. It's a disaster. Sometimes when we look in our own lives and our own relationship with God, that's exactly what we see. That's what we see. Maybe at one point in our life we, were, we had a close walk with a relationship with God, but we've turned away from Him. We've walked away from God, and, and now our lives have crumbled. We've made decisions, and there's consequences. And I'm telling you this morning, that's what we talked about last week. I'm telling you, God can restore this mess that we've made of our lives. So we're fixing to put our hands to work. We're fixing to rebuild this wall. So he goes up and he sees this. Verse number 14. He said, Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and the king's pool. There was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up that night by the brook and viewed the wall, and I turned back and I entered in by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor the priest, nor the nobles, nor the rulers, nor the rest that did the work. In other words, he said, I didn't consult with anybody. Who is the only one that Nehemiah has consulted with about this issue? God and the king. God has sent him on this task. He gets there and he does not discuss. He does not say... Hey, guys, what do y'all think about this? Do you think we should try to rebuild this wall? Hey, what do y'all think over here? Well, what do y'all think? Give me your opinion. You know what happened the last time that happened? When the 12 spies went into the promised land. God didn't tell them to choose 12 spies to go into the promised land. They belly ached and whined, and finally God said, Okay, Moses, if y'all want to go in and send spies in, you do. I'm telling you, just go in and take the land. When the spies went in, they come out, oh, there's no way we can do this. You know what? If Nehemiah had taken a survey, the consensus would have been, Nehemiah, this mess is too great. We can't do it. 
Nehemiah did not discuss this with anyone. Verse number 17. This is where we're getting down to the business. Then said I unto them. In other words, he has now done went and he surveyed the walls. He surveyed the gates. He's looked at it and he said, Then I said unto them, You see the distress that we have now in Jerusalem. It lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. So he announces to them, he says, listen guys, let's get this relationship back. Let's rebuild this wall. Let's get it together. He did not wait for them to respond before he said this in verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me and they said, let us rise up and build so they strengthened their hands for their good work. So he said, listen guys, you need to understand, I'm not here on my own. I want, you to t- I want to tell you what God has done. God has provided the way. God sent me. The king that I was serving under has given me permission. He's blessed all of this. I told him what God told me. Let's get to work. Now, this is a huge statement, and it, the, the gravity of this statement right here in the Scripture does not bear much, but it said in verse 18, And they said, Let us rise up and build. When we go back to verse number 13, it, it, we see there that the rubble is there. Okay? We see that the rubble is there. In other words, the material to build the wall is there. So I've got two builders this morning that's going to come help me build. If y'all would come and start rebuilding this wall, and this is the wall that we're talking about. They're looking out there and they drive up or they walk up and they see the stones are all on the ground. There's nothing they can do. And they said, and, and when Nehemiah told him, he says, let's build a wall. They said, okay, let's do it. So now they're going to start putting the wall together. And I want, I want us to see something here. When we start seeing this wall starting to come together, it takes more than just the material to build the wall. If they go up there and they just start putting the wall and the stones back in place, somebody tell me what's going to happen. If you just put the stones in place, what's going to happen? They're going to just fall right back down. Because what you're going to see is they're putting this wall together up here. They don't have anything that's holding it together right now. These blocks are just sitting on top of each other. And you'll notice these are not Flintstone building blocks. Now, last week I mentioned the Flintstone building blocks. If you'd like to know, Flintstone building blocks are antiques now. They're classics. They're well over $100, so uh, we're not building with Flintstone blocks. But listen, this is what happens. If they were to just go up there and start putting the wall together, and they're, my goodness, look, boy, this is perfect. But something happens and... Oh, man. I'm sorry, guys. Next week... Next week, we're going to talk about this. I want you to know that as they're trying to rebuild their relationship, as they're trying to rebuild their relationship, there's enemies around the city of Jerusalem. 
And this is one of the things they said. One of them said, y'all put that wall back together and if a fox runs up on it, it's going to knock it back down. And I want you to notice, if you'll notice my blocks that I've, we've got up here right now, do you see what's on those blocks? What is on those blocks? Our scriptures are on these blocks. And when we're talking about our relationship with God, when we're talking about rebuilding our relationship with God, the scriptures that we have on these blocks right here are promises that God has given us in the Word. They're promises of God. These are the truths of God. These are the ways of God. These are the commandments of God. These are the statutes of God. They tell us of God's mercy, His forgiveness, His grace, and His love. All of these, that's what these these scriptures describe. I didn't take the time to have them put all on the screen. Look at the great number of these scriptures. But you know, there's many people in the world today, maybe even some that are sitting right here, and you know the Word of God. You know what the Bible says about your relationship with Him, but you don't have a relationship. You know what the Bible says, but there's something missing. There is something missing that's going to hold this together, and that something is what? Faith. All right? I've done opened it. Faith. So what he is about to do, in order to, to make these blocks hold together, if the men at the wall, on the wall, when they started working, and they started putting these blocks back in faith, they had to have something that's going to hold these bricks, that's going to hold these rocks together, and in our relationship with God, it requires for us to have faith. If you don't have faith, when you put these blocks together, when you, if you don't have faith, they have no effect in your life. Let me read a couple of scriptures referring to our faith. Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. You can memorize the whole Bible, and without faith believing what that word says, it is of no use to you, and it is impossible to please God without faith. In Ephesians 1 and 3, listen to this, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. In other words, you read these scriptures, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed. That's what faith is. Faith is not only hearing the word, but believing the word. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It has to be put together with faith in your life so that you, uh, that way you can uh, rebuild this relationship. In John chapter 1 and verse 12 it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. So when we sit here and we start looking at Nehemiah and what is taking place, when he drives up to Jerusalem, He rides around 
and he sees this rubble that's all destroyed. Listen, when the people said, Yes, Nehemiah, let's build. That was the people's declaration of faith. Yes, we believe that God has sent you. Yes, we believe that we can rebuild this wall. Yes, we believe that God is on our side. Without that faith, it was impossible to have a relationship with God. Faith. So in order to rebuild this wall, it requires faith. Now, I I know some of you are thinking, I'm going to go up there and knock that wall again down. I ain't fixing to do that. We let that that set till tonight, and that will be one piece. It will be solid. Thank you, guys. That will be one piece. And it's what's holding it together is the foundation. The foundation of this wall, the foundation of your relationship with God is God's Word. And then when you apply your faith in God's Word, it builds a relationship. It builds a wall that God can have and you can live and it gives joy unspeakable and full of glory. It gives you a peace that passes all understanding. But it begins with God's Word and your faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, there's another thing that I want to say that there's a requirement here to make sure that this wall is built. The Bible tells us, and I call this the scariest verse in all the Bible, in Matthew chapter 7. It says, there's going to be many that stand before me in that day and say, uh, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't I do that in your name? Lord, Lord, I attended Sunday school six years without missing a day. Lord, Lord, I got baptized. Lord, Lord, I was, I, I was, uh, I was a member of the church. Lord, Lord, they're going to cry out, Lord, Lord. And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. In other words, these are people who are standing there and by their own proclamation, they're saying, hey, I know the Word of God. I memorized so much of it. I taught this. But the ingredient that they're failing to have was faith. They enjoyed. They enjoyed the work of the church. They enjoyed the people of the church. I, you go back and you look at the, 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 what it talks about about Judas. He was one of the twelve disciples. And yet Jesus... That don't help my sermon at all. (laughs) Just so you'll know. That was not planned. Rebuild it, huh? Rebuild it. Oh, my goodness. Boy, that sure throwed me off. Oh, I know where I was at. I was in Matthew chapter 7. We was talking about Judas. Listen, Judas, uh, Jesus tells us at the Lord's Supper, Last Supper, He says, listen, He says, I'm with you, but one of you is the devil. He said, you've been with me for three years, but yet you never had faith. You've heard every word I've preached. You've even repeated some of the things that I've said, but the truth is not in you. You lack 
faith. You've heard this before. You've heard this before. Many people will die and go to hell. It's not because they have not heard the word. But the 12 or 18 inches from your brain to your heart is going to prevent you from having everlasting life in heaven is because you know it with your head, but you've never accepted it with your heart. In other words, that faith. Accepting it by faith. That's what, you're, that's what so many people are going to be missing. They can repeat it and they can say it, but they haven't applied faith in their lives for salvation. Now, Brother Wayne, where are you coming up with this? Let me, let me read a couple of scriptures to you. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 21 it says this, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now this is a person that has heard the word. This is a person that is enacting faith by calling upon the name of the Lord. Now, how do we, what do we, when we call upon the name of the Lord, what do we call that? Prayer. In other words, it takes an act from knowing it in your head, applying faith to it and going, <clears throat> Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. God, I admit to you that I believe that your son Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And God, I believe that you raised him from the dead, and I'm asking you to save me. Now that is the word of God, applied with the faith of God, and now you have called out to God. Here's another verse. It says in Romans 10 and 9, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's more than just, it's more than just speaking it. It's believing it. And it's more than believing it with your head knowledge. It's believing it with your heart. You've heard people say, you need to accept Jesus with your heart. That's what that's referring to. It's not just a superficial belief. You believe it with all that you have. You believe it. Hey, listen, some people say you've got to believe and understand it. That is an incorrect statement. There is a lot of things about God that I do not understand. But he says it, and I believe it. And then when I believe it, God changes my life because of my belief and my faith in it. Here's another scripture. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. For if we believe, listen to this. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. In other words, he is qualifying those who are going to be saved and those who are going to be called up during the rapture, who that's going to be. And it says there, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's what we must believe, that he did it for us. God loved us so much that he did that for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 for as much as you know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold for your vain conversations received by the traditions of the fathers, but, in other words, we were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. In order to rebuild a relationship, we must take the foundation stones of God's Word. Again, these are those foundation stones of God's Word. And we must apply faith to those foundational promises and those truths. And when we put faith to that and we believe it, 
God will establish a relationship with you that goes beyond all understanding. That is what Nehemiah is doing. When we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, and we read in verse 18, and it says, And the people, and the people said, Yes, let's get started. Now, I've got a little time this morning, so I'm going to ask you if you would flip over to Nehemiah chapter 3 for just a second. This was going to be a part of the sermon next week, and we'll just, we'll just use this this morning. And I want you to see how this takes place. Nehemiah goes up and they look at the wall, and the wall is in, di- in distress. The, the rocks are on top of each other. The gates have been burned. And the people say, Nehemiah, we believe what you say is true. We believe that the wall can be reestablished. We believe our relationship with God can be, be, no matter how far we've gone, we believe that God will reestablish our relationship. And then it says this. Let's just read the first couple of verses. And it says, Then Elashahed, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate. So the high priest took a group of the priests that served in the temple and they rebuilt the sheep gate. Look down in verse 2. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. So now there's a group of men that was working alongside those that were the priest. Look what it next, and it says, And next to them builded uh, Zachar the sons of Aram. Skip down to verse 4. And next to them repaired this group. And about halfway through there it says, And next unto them repaired that. Before the verse ends it says, And next to them repaired uh, Zodak and the sons of Barah. Look in verse 5, And next to them. Do you know how many times it says, And next to them? In chapter 3? 29 times. 29 times. You know what God is calling Soda Baptist Church to do? God is calling Soda Baptist Church to come together, building on the foundations of His Word, putting faith together, and us uniting together in our relationship with an Almighty God. That's what He desires for us to do. He chose this group of people in Jerusalem to have a relationship with God sent His Son into this world that every single person in this room will have a relationship with Him. It makes me angry to see what's taking place in our society today. It makes me angry. When you go to the last verse in Judges... The very last verse in the book of Judges, it says this. I know what it says, I just want to read it. And I believe this is exactly what's taking place in our society today. And it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right, in his own eyes. Let me, let me tell you this morning, 
It doesn't matter what you think salvation is. God said salvation is this way. And if we do not come and seek God in a relationship for salvation, in a relationship in our daily walk according to how He says it, and you want to do it your way, you're going to miss the mark. John chapter 14 and verse 6, it says, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father, listen to this, no man has a relationship with Almighty God any other way. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Now, I don't mind telling you, this world offers you many different paths to God. The Word of God offers you one. And, Brother Wayne, you're not being reasonable, you're being intolerant, you're being indifferent. You bet I am. Because God is going to be intolerant to sin. When He sent His only Son to die on a cross so that we might have a relationship with Him, He made the way. You don't have that way. He has the way. So this morning, let's, let's just review one more time what we're talking about this morning. Rebuilding the wall. Let's put our hands to it. Number one, you've got to have the foundation stones. Here's your foundation stone right here is the Word of God. Number two, we must have faith. The Scripture tells us, Hebrews 11 and 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. And number three, in Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In order to rebuild this relationship, we need to know what the Word of God says, we need to apply faith to it, and we need to call upon the name of the Lord. That is exactly what Nehemiah done when he was able to rebuild the relationship for the nation of Israel. You can do that today. Let's stand together. Fathers, we stand again before your presence. We've read your word. We understand your word. God, all we need this morning is for us to apply your word to our lives and through our relationships. I love the way chapter 3 speaks how the people came together and they worked together and they served together side by side. God, help us to be that light in this community for all the community to see. Let the revival begin at Soda Baptist Church so we can reach out not only in Soda, but Livingston and Woodville. And as it begins to spread, God, help us see revival right here in Polk County and let it start, not just in Soda Baptist Church, but God, let it start with each individual in this room this morning. You've given us the plan. You've given us the way. And that way is your son Jesus. Now God and direct our hearts and minds to be obedient to you. God, use this time of invitation this morning uh, for your honor and your glory. And I pray that you will be pleased with every decision that's made this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing this hymn.